And I just want you to know that you are not alone. And, you know, if you want to tell us your story or, you know, comment in, like, please do. I'm always open to having a conversation. I'm always here for people who are leaving because I think it is one of the bravest and strongest things you will ever do for yourself. And it will also be one of the hardest. Welcome back to the feminine state of mind. Welcome back. How was your week, Mahila? It's good. Just same old working away. Yeah. <laughs> Finally getting settled in the new place. So that feels good. Yeah, that that was a big move for you, hey? Yeah, it was. It was just, you know what? Like the move itself, it's not like I was moving across the country or something. It was just the the nature of it and how fast paced everything was. It was just a lot, yeah, everything but... happened like what within like four weeks, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but it's done. We're good. I can finally kind of breathe. So that's nice. That's so nice. Yeah. Cause like, how long were you in that house for? Oh, I think I was in it almost like four years. Yeah. Yeah. And like after four years, you know, you just like accumulate shit. So it's not only that you have to like pack everything, but it's like going through everything and like getting rid of stuff to move it. Oh, yeah. I did a massive purge. (laughs) It was insane. Like so much stuff went to consignment and just like the the crap that you accumulate i'm like why why do i still have this like this is literal trash (laughs) i know i know when i moved like the last time i moved i had only been in my house for a year and i was going through stuff like i didn't even know i still had this and i'd only been in there for a year so (laughs) it happens fast it does happen fast anything over a year you just hoard things i don't know what it is I know it's so true especially like little trinkety things like I could probably go through my vanity right now and throw out like a bag of shit (laughs) oh yeah it was insane even my nightstand like I threw out a bag of just random shit I throw in there it just ended up being (laughs) like a whole junk drawer nightstand (laughs) yeah so yeah it really does happen fast. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah, you just start throwing shit places is really what it is. You just like, yeah, but it's true. It's good. I feel way more organized now and less crap. So that feels good. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. How about you? How was your week? It's been pretty good. I'm on day 10 of no weed. Yeah. So it's uh. It's been a journey. <laughs> I saw your Instagram update where you're like, I have no sleep. <laughs> no, my insomnia has been so bad. So last night, I um, we went to bed and I was like, hey, I'm not turning on the TV. I'm not like going on my laptop because I've been doing that too. I've been going on Netflix on my computer and it's I'll just stay up forever So I was like, okay, I'm not doing any of that. I'm not drinking coffee in the afternoon either because I love an afternoon coffee. But I just like, I'm not doing anything that contributes to keeping me awake. Mm -hmm. 
So, um, yeah, I got to bed, got to sleep probably at like 11 o'clock last night. So that's like the earliest in the last 10 days. And um, everyone keeps asking me if I've started having crazy ass dreams yet. And I kept saying no until last night. I had my first sober crazy dream (laughs) and it was like literally so much detail and the story was start to finish and I swear went all night and I kept waking up and going back to sleep and going straight back into the dream wow god it was terrible (laughs) I had a dream like Rob was like hooking up with my cousin and then when I found out they like tried to murder me with a machete and I, yeah, it was like, it was so chaotic and it was really intense. So have you been listening to true crime podcasts? Is that what's happening? <laughs> you <laughs> took my think. recommendation and it's just <laughs> screwing with you now. Yeah, you would think, but yeah, that actually probably is contributes into the crazy fucking dreams that I had is all this true crime shit that I watch and listen to. So <laughs> yeah, it was kind of intense. So I woke up today with again felt unrested so i don't know i'm just trying to cruise along yeah see if it gets better yeah it is it's kind of getting better but i don't know everyone's like oh once you get past the first week it'll be better and then got past the first week and now everyone's like oh once you get past two weeks it'll be better and it's like okay i'm like waiting for it to get better (laughs) (laughs) i don't remember well it wasn't that bad for me, but to be fair, I don't think I had smoked weed as long as you, so it probably is a different effect. But have you done like any research about like how like long it is to no like, detox from it? No, no, I actually haven't. That's a good question too because a girl that I work with, she recently quit vaping, and she downloaded an app that it tracks her her days kind of I've downloaded an app as well but it's just like a sober app but hers actually tells her through the process like what's happening in her body as she detoxes from nicotine oh wow yeah and I was like dang I should have looked one up for weed to see if I could find one like that but mine's just a straight up sober app but that keeps track doesn't tell me anything cool or anything Hmm, I wonder if they do have weed ones I bet you they do there's everything now I know I probably could have found one if I actually looked, but, you know. I mean, you could probably Google it, too, like, 10 days without weed. Yeah, like, where am I? Yeah. 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 It's, yeah, it's been a journey. But I will say, like, my body from not snacking and stuff like that has been so much happier. Like, I'm not, like, super bloated anymore or feeling, like, super, I'm feeling tired, but it's not, like, lethargic from shitty food you know it's just lack of sleep yeah so that's really nice too like my digestion's like back on track and actually is normal and yeah so all that stuff it's definitely been a positive thing oh that's good at least there's some positives from it so yeah and I've been more productive too so like been more productive like later into the day well that's good so really we just got to work on your sleep and then you're golden I know because I didn't really blaze too much like throughout the day. It was mostly just in the evenings, like as soon as I'd get home. Mm-hmm. So that's when I, f- that's like the time that I feel that I'm struggling with it. But that makes sense. It'll, I'm sure it'll pass. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, we have an exciting episode today. Uh, We are going to talk about religion and growing up religious versus not. Mm -hmm. Um, Originally, we were going to have a guest on, but she is sick this week. So we are actually going to do an episode with her separately and um, go over her experiences um, with religion on her own. But today we will talk about my experience growing up um, religious. So I am excited slash nervous to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, I know like you and I have had conversations about it in the past and because you and I had such different upbringing. So it's really interesting to compare um, and talk about your experience. Cause I think a lot of people, have like heard a lot of stuff like um with like growing up with religion but it's definitely interesting to hear like straight from a source yeah like you lived that shit I did yeah and I mean I was lucky enough that uh I mean I got out of the religion at around 14 or 15 so I'm lucky enough to say that at least you know my entire life wasn't impacted Uh, by this religion but Mm -hmm. you look at my mom and my dad who my dad was born into it and my mom joined at 13 years old I mean they didn't leave until their late 30s so that's you know a very decent portion of their life that was dedicated to this religion so it'll be yeah I'm excited to deep dive into it a bit and maybe and, one day we'll get my mom on because she has ooh, crazier yeah. stories than I do. <laughs> yes. And we just want to preface this too. Like this is speaking straight from our own experiences, like straight from Hala's life and her own experiences and straight from my life and my experiences. Like we can't speak on anyone else's experience at all. Um, so I just wanted to preface that. 100%. Yeah. And to to add on to just to add on to that a bit. Whatever belief you have is your belief and that is okay. And, you know, I'm not, we're not here to necessarily knock religion. This is just exactly like Ashley said, my experience with it. And I am very much a believer in whatever you believe that brings you peace in this hard fucking world. I'm a hundred percent here for that. And I completely respect and support that for you um so you know don't take this as I'm I'm hating on you know your religion I may not believe it but that doesn't mean I don't respect what you believe exactly you can believe whatever you want but you experienced something and you want to speak about it and that's okay too and if you don't want to listen to this episode, don't. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If this is going to be triggering for you, please don't listen to it. So yeah, we'll start there. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's just dive in. So Halo, what is your religious background? So I was born into Jehovah's Witness. So that is my religious background. Um, pretty much my entire family uh, was or is in that religion. Um, 
my dad's side is still in it. My mom's side is now out. But at one point, you know, my grandparents, parents, aunts, uh, only my uncle on my mom's side, I think actually was the only one that wasn't, that didn't ever um, buy into it. So, And how old, and is your uncle older than your mom? No, he's a year younger, actually. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. But he was the only one out of their family because my mom joined when she was 13. Um, And my Nana, I believe, had been kind of in and out of this religion at this point. Like she wasn't it and then she wasn't. And then I think she kind of rejoined around the same time my mom did at 13. Um, But my uncle never did. He never, like he was like dragged to some meetings or whatever, but he never actually believed it or had anything really to do with it outside of what he was kind of forced to. Um, Could you maybe just give us a little bit of a background on that religion? Kind of just briefly explain it a little bit to us. Sure. So um, for those of you that don't know the religion or kind of what its belief is, so I'll kind of briefly go over the the belief system um, and some points that you probably have heard of before. So the main thing about Jehovah's Witnesses is their belief is basically that there will be an Armageddon. And in that Armageddon, um, basically people who are devoted to Jehovah, which is um, who they call God, some people just call him God, whatever, but they call him God Jehovah. Um, they believe that when Armageddon comes, the people that are devoted to him in this religion will be saved. Um, and everyone will die in Armageddon, but the ones who follow him will be resurrected into a paradise earth where everything will be perfect. Like people will be perfect. You know, earth will be perfect. It will be how it was supposed to be when the earth was first created before, Adam and Eve fucked that shit up, basically. (laughs) (laughs) So um, that's their main belief. They also don't believe in a hell. They do believe in a heaven, but they believe that only the anointed go to heaven, which is basically those who get direct messages from God is how I would basically explain it to you. And then Um, everybody else just disappears. Oh, yeah. Everyone else who doesn't believe in the religion you don't get resurrected you're just ash homie (laughs) okay (laughs) okay (laughs) so yeah so that's that's the main belief um you'll probably like if you've ever known a jehovah's witness or someone follows that face or that faith there is no christmas you know birthdays easter halloween none of that shit um, and what's like the main reason for not celebrating anything like that? Is it because you're supposed to only celebrate the God and not yourself or it's it's because it's most of them are pagan holidays and uh, they don't believe in celebrating basically anything pagan. So okay. it's my easiest way birthdays there was this story in the bible where it was this girl's birthday and her wish was for someone to be beheaded and uh that happened and so birthdays are bad (laughs) that's the gist of it i will say like i (laughs) from my experience like i said i left this religion at around 14 or 15 
So someone who is still in it or left more recently probably has a lot more um, in depth to say about this because I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to call it my trauma brain. I've locked a lot of this shit out. Yeah. I will. I'll be able to tell you a little bit and kind of some points, but I might not 100% get everything accurate. And that is because I literally haven't cracked a book on this since I was 14 years old. So, and I mean, who knows, they've switched up their practices every now and then too. So some of it might not be valid anymore, but this is what it was when I was in it. I will right. that now. Crazy stuff. Um, yeah. So as a child in the religion, how did you feel being there? Well, was it something that you enjoyed at the time or was it just something that, you know, this is how you grew up so you didn't know anything different? I would say it was how I grew up so I didn't know anything different. It's not that I didn't like it or didn't enjoy it either. It was just my life. Like that's the only thing I had ever known was, you know, you go to um, group studies on Tuesday and two meetings and you have to go out on Saturdays for service which is when they go knock on your doors on a Saturday morning when everyone's hung over and you wonder why people hate you I'm sorry but (laughs) (laughs) but no it's that was my life that was just how I was brought up so I didn't know any better um even even you know telling kids no I couldn't go to birthdays or you know Halloween I couldn't go out or anything like that it like people would always ask me doesn't it bother you and it really didn't because I I never knew what I was missing and I was always just taught that I had to say no to invitations so did you ever like wonder as a kid like you know Mm -hmm. everyone's dressing up for Halloween and going trick-or-treating and like did you ever wonder like why can't I do that or I wish that I could do that well, they make it out to be like it's such a bad thing mm. um, and that like it's dangerous. You know, it's like um, worldly activities. So their their big line was always bad association spoils useful habits. That was like their main line. So basically, like I wasn't able to really hang out with kids that weren't in the religious like the Jehovah's Witness community. Um, I wasn't able to do extracurricular activities with them unless there was like, you know, a group of basically the Jehovah's Witness kids doing it too. Um, So, and they make it out to be like, oh, like Satan will, like Satan, it's so weird. Like they didn't really believe in hell, but they believed in Satan. I don't know how that really works, but. (laughs) Satan's just like around causing some shit. I think, or like it might've been that, like there is a hell but nobody goes there (laughs) right okay (laughs) but whatever it is um like they would kind of make it out that like satan would you know get to you and he's like in these other people's minds and like you know halloween's bad because it's like you know the afterlife day and it's like satan's day and like all this stuff so it it was just made out to all like be such a negative bad thing that I, you really didn't want any part in it because it was like such a huge no. Right. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And when you were at school and did you have any friends who weren't witnesses that kind of wondered why you couldn't come or felt sad that you couldn't come or anything like that? 
Yeah, uh, like I did have other friends like in school, but no one that I was school, right? Yeah, I did go to public school. Yeah. yeah. Um, But none that I could hang out with outside of school. So I wasn't really. Yeah, I wasn't really close to any like super close to any of them um, in that way. Like there was some kids, my mom like she she knew their family so like i i remember having a couple play dates with kids that weren't in the religion but it was very 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 rare that that would happen um and you know they were explained like why i couldn't go so it just i don't remember it being a huge topic of conversation it was just like they they knew i wasn't allowed right yeah yeah mm-hmm. i mean that makes sense and so when you were growing up like becoming a preteen and now you're coming into your teenage years when you guys left the religion first of all like that was a family decision right kind of <laughs> yes. okay yeah and like what what prompted you guys to decide to leave the religion because that's obviously a huge decision living your whole life that way mm-hmm. so what prompted that so basically I'm not going to get too much into detail on the story of why, because really it's not my story to tell. Um, But my mom had a friend that had a very bad experience um, with her like family life. Mm -hmm. And um, basically things that happened were covered up by this religion. Mm -hmm. Um, and my mom, obviously this was a really close friend of her and she, my, she was just confused. Like, why are these horrible things being covered up? And like, you know, this is supposed to be a religion about truth and, you know, the, the foundations of it were basically going against everything that these people were doing. Um, And then my mom started to ask questions and Mm -hmm. then she, one, no one could answer a single question like point blank to her um, about, you know, these, these questions she had. And then she started to get, then she started to have doubts. It just was a feeling in her gut. And she started to reach out to scholars who, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you've studied religion, basically. So she reached out to a few professors um, and she read a few books on cults. <laughs> And um, it was funny because I will say the biggest thing about um, the Jehovah's Witness religion is they are very much controlling what you read, what you watch, and what you do. It's all pretty much mapped out for you. And if you are, you know, caught reading a book, uh, you know, that's talks bad about Jehovah's Witnesses or 
watch something or anything along those lines, you're labeled an apostate. And it's one of the worst things that you can be labeled. Um, And so basically, that's what my mom was labeled is an apostate. Because for asking the questions, for asking the questions and reading um, basically mm-hmm. books that she wasn't allowed to read, which she chuckled because the book that she read was just on cults. It actually said nothing about Jehovah's Witnesses in this book. It just strictly talked about the makings of what a cult was. And literally, I just remember my mom saying like every line she read, it was like, check, check, mm-hmm. check. She's like, I don't think there was one box that wasn't ticked going through the list of what makes a religion a cult and she was like holy fuck we are in a cult (laughs) (laughs) and so from there she did start to research more about the jehovah's witnesses religion and where it was founded and pretty much uncovered that it was complete bullshit (laughs) right um and that you know it it wasn't the truth, which is the their biggest thing. Like they will always call, like if you're in it, you'll call it the truth. They'll be like, oh, like, you know, it's the truth or, you know, the truth says this or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she was like, this it's is almost like they like, um, what's the word? Groom you. Mm-hmm. They do. You're very brainwashed. Yeah. Like it took us ye- pro- like a few years to stop calling it the truth, even though we didn't know it was the truth because you're so used to calling it that. Like it was, it was super crazy. Just like how much is ingrained into you that you literally have to consciously remove from yourself that you didn't even know you were groomed. Yeah. So when you guys left, that must've been a huge transition, especially for yourself who literally had been born into it. So when you were transitioning out of the religion, like what was that like for you? It was hectic. Um, at first, like my dad wasn't really on board. Because he also was born into it, right? He was born into it, yeah. So it so that was must have been really hard for him too. Yeah, it was like hitting a wall pretty much. Yeah. Um so it it's not that he didn't believe my mom obviously but it was like it it was this is a decision that was going to upturn our entire lives because again when we're talking about a cult they you know I'll kind of I'll I'll lay out some of the the makings of a cult and it'll make it a lot easier to understand why it's so hard to leave so uh, I, we we talked a bit about control. Like, they control what you watch, what you read. Like, I wasn't allowed to watch Harry Potter. I wasn't allowed to. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, The Addams Family. I remember watching that on TV, not knowing that I wasn't allowed to watch it. It just came on, and I loved it. And I remember my parents coming upstairs and being like, oh, no, you have to shut this off. Like, you can't watch this. And I was like, what? Really? Yeah. Like, oh, gosh. Um obviously books and you know tv shows that are about jehovah's witnesses you know any you know those like uncovering truths that they do like about religion these days like that would be a huge fucking no-no so and they also you know they they talk about how you should present yourself and how you should talk and what you should wear and you know you want to be 
conservative and you want to, you know, you want to help people and you want to be like, they make it out. So you, you're making yourself. So you're kind of like this perfect religious person. Mm -hmm. Um, so the control is a big thing. Um, the biggest, the biggest, biggest, biggest one, which you will see in almost every single cult is what Jehovah's Witnesses called, um, disfellowshipping, which if you're familiar with like, um, I think, I think it was the Catholic church. If you've ever read the history, they would call it excommunication, which is basically where they cut you off completely. They don't look at you. They don't talk to you. Your own family doesn't speak to you. You're shunned. Right. So that was the biggest thing is all of these people that we grew up with from, you know, that I literally, I crawled on all fours, was in diaper with all these friends I had would no longer talk to me. Same with mom, same with dad, same with Jake. Um, actually, I just had to tell a little story about that. Yeah. When I was living at your house to like the house that you just moved out of, mm-hmm. um, uh, someone knocked on the door. Yeah. So I went and answered the door and it was a few Jehovah's Witnesses. And as soon as you walked around the corner and they saw you, they right away were like, oh, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. And like left like hella quick and i remember being like damn like they were shocked to see you and you were like oh yeah oh yeah they're not allowed to talk to us yeah we're labeled apostates man we're like satan's little minions we're coming for you (laughs) (laughs) but no i mean it it would like doing this completely leaving the religion was going to be a big life-changing event so you know like that would mean my dad's parents wouldn't talk to him uh you know like his brother wouldn't speak to him all of these things so it was um it was a really really tough time in my family um and I remember you know (laughs) Jake was out right away that was the funniest thing like he hated like he was young I was 14, 15. So he would have been like nine, 10. Right. Uh, and even as a kid, like I remember he napped every single meeting we went to. Like he would lay out a blanket and sleep for the two hours to make it go by quicker. And actually, I remember this was super funny when he was like super young. He was probably like two or three. Um, we were getting ready to go to the meeting and he's like, I don't want to go to the meeting. I hate Jehovah. I like Satan. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> because he just associated like yeah with satan with like not going to meetings basically right Right. how did you feel leaving uh it was i had a hard time at first with it mainly because we had moved up to creston at this point when all of this had happened i'm originally from the island for those of you that don't know vancouver island um and i had lots of friends on vancouver island but where we were living there was really no one my age that was in this, like that was a Jehovah's Witness that I could, you know, hang out with. Like there was a few, but really none that I super clicked with that I had a lot in common with. And so I was very alone. But then the thought of, you know, not talking to these people that I grew up with in diapers 
was scary. And so for the little bit there, I remember saying to mom, like, I think I want to stay. And she, she was just like, why? Like, she wasn't mad. She wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, she wasn't um, like, f- she did not force any of us to leave. That was like very good on her. It was yeah. very much, this is my, this is why I'm not going anymore. Um, These are my reasons. Like, you know, if you want to read them, if you want me to talk about it with you. Yeah. You know, we'll go over it. But um, she just asked me like, okay, like, why do you want to stay? And I really couldn't give her a reason other than I didn't want to lose my friends. I didn't believe the religion. Like after hearing what she had to say, like I had, I didn't believe in the religion anymore. I didn't think I was going to, you know, not get resurrected into a paradise earth. It was really that, you know, these were friends that I have had since I was born. Yeah. And and you're like a young teenager. mm -hmm. Like all of a sudden having all of your friends snub you Mm -hmm. that's like heart-wrenching yeah so that was the hardest part um but the one thing that was kind of I mean not a saving grace is so as a Jehovah's Witness you're not baptized at birth you're baptized when you're ready to devote your life to God or when you're about 15 and getting horny and want to date (laughs) because um you're you're not allowed to like date people or you know, talk about marriage until you are baptized. So lots of, okay, lots of people start to, um, you know, get baptized around the 15, 16 mark. Makes sense. Um, keep in mind in this religion, like a lot of my friends got married at around like 19 years old. So yeah, like that is really how it's set up is like, you know, you, you go to the meetings and you go out in service and you get baptized and then you get married and you have kids and you hopefully get to pioneer, uh, which is like basically going out door to door, like full time. And can I ask you real quick, why, why do you do that? Um, basically you're, um, you're preaching, the news to other people to try and tell them about the truth and hopefully recruit them so they don't like when you're in it you're doing it because you want as many people to be saved from armageddon you want people to believe this truth you want them to you know get into this paradise earth so that's why you're doing it but i mean yeah is this paradise earth like a physical earth that they believe in Or is this like heaven? No, Paradise Earth will be the Earth that comes after Armageddon. Okay. Resurrected. Okay. Makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And is there a time that they believe this is going to happen? Or could it happen at any point? They've predicted and re-predicted. And yeah, I hope they've just stopped predicting at this point but who knows? Um, They like literally, like I remember at 14, they're like, you know, like the world's getting worse. Like Armageddon is coming. And you're like, yeah, okay. Armageddon's coming. Um, Well, we're still here. So yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah. So anyway, I wasn't, um, I never got baptized and neither did my brother. So 
the only way you can technically be disfellowshipped or excommunicated or shunned is if you're baptized. So Jake and I were in the clear from being completely cut off from, you know, family or friends. There's technically that little buffer there or whatever. Yeah. Um, but mom and dad, if they got disfellowshipped, they would basically. Um, and I mean, that was the scariest part, but we were lucky in the sense that we were kind of able to just fade out. We, they never actually ended up, uh, you know, doing, doing it to my knowledge anyway. I mean, right. I think they, I think they can eventually just do it without your knowledge probably. Um, Mm -hmm. but to my knowledge, we were never, um, shunned or mom was never shunned or dad wasn't either so oh really not i mean don't get me wrong we are (laughs) like people like just we weren't i guess um officially right okay but because we were labeled an apostate like literally i remember going back to um the island like where i'm from and people would be in grocery stores and like literally would just like turn the other way or look the other way or like literally pretended I didn't exist. And it was like, cool. Like, I mean, it gets to the, like, it really doesn't phase me now because mm-hmm. truthfully, a lot of those people, like, I don't really want to talk to you either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, but it is such a crazy concept and so many, so many, so many, so many people deal with depression and suicidal thoughts after they leave because they are completely cut off from their entire family from everything and it's like it it truly does break my heart because it's like you either live a lie and talk to your family or you live your truth but you have no no contacts and the saddest thing is because you're not really able to make friends outside of the religion you, you know, if, if you're like, I was lucky I was in high school. So I had some friendships at school that I was just able to flourish with after, you know, I was, I just literally was kind of like, Hey, like, what are you guys doing Friday night? Like, I'm actually, I'm allowed to like come out now and like do things. And I will say it's like, those friendships were so different than the ones that I had in the religion itself because it's so catty and it's so superficial and it's all about you know putting that face on and that like religious face and I remember like and I'm not saying that I didn't do this too because this is literally how we all grew up but literally you get up and leave the room and you knew instantly they were going to talk shit about you like instantly yeah and you actually told me about that like just how the friend groups were just so mean kind of they were yeah they were mean and it's i mean we were young girls but it's like obviously i mean the moms were like that too like that's just kind of how how it was and it's so toxic now to think about like i remember just hanging out with these girls from high school for the first time and I got up to use the washroom and I was like oh I'm gonna hear them like talk about me because the washroom was so close except they just kept carrying on with their conversation and that was like my first I was like wow like this doesn't 
happen everywhere. Like this isn't how like friendships go. Like that was literally, I just kind of assumed that when you get up, people talk shit about you, but that's terrible. (laughs) It is. And it just, but like, that's really, it, it is toxic in the sense that, you know, if you weren't deemed someone who was super spiritually strong, you were kind of outcasted. You didn't, you know, have a lot of connections. It was very clicky, uh, even within the religion itself, which is like super hard already. And then, you know, not being able to make friends outside of the religion too. Like it's, yeah, I just, for anyone that has left a religion like that, where they cut you off completely, like I, I feel for you and just know that it does get better and you will, you will find your group and you will find your friends and it will be so worth it. Like I just, you know, like watching my mom go through it is a perfect example because she, she was in her late thirties. She really didn't have, she's in a small community up in the Kootenays where, you know, the Kootenays is just clicky in general. She had to integrate herself into this community and start from scratch. But now like she has the most strongest friendships she's ever had and real friendships. Yeah. And that like, you really, you can't pass that up. It's like so good to see people who have struggled and were, you know, manipulated pretty much their whole lives to come out on top and thrive. And so your mom's side of the family, they're no longer in the religion either. So did they leave the same time as you guys did? So mom left first and then she, my, my Nana, like my, my mom's mom wanted to, to know why and, you know, the books. So my mom passed them on and answered her questions and yeah, she promptly left. Mm. And I will say, I mean, this was a journey. Like I don't want anyone to just think that we left and it was like, hooray, we're out. This is great. Like there was so much anger and you know um hatred almost for the longest time because especially for you know my mom and my dad because they had devoted their lives to this and to find out this whole time that what you believed in was a lie and that you have been lied to and opportunities that you have missed because the other thing about Jehovah's Witnesses is they don't really believe in higher education. They believe in like getting a trade, but they don't believe in like going to college, going to university. And you know why? Because when you go to college and university, there's a lot of books and a lot of college professors and a lot of things that make you think, hmm, right. This doesn't make sense because college helps you to think for yourself and find your own way in the world. And and I know like the narrative people in your family missed out on some amazing opportunities in like secondary education and stuff as well, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Due to being in the religion. Yeah. So many people do. Like, I remember a lot of my friends had like, you know, crazy grades um, were so smart and so brilliant. And I mean, not that they're not doing well for themselves now, but it's like where they could have gone is so right. crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's 
crazy stuff to like devote your whole life and now all of a sudden you're trying to find a new way of living yeah like yeah obviously that's not an easy thing to do it's not just a drop of the hat and now you're all hunky-dory with it so that must have been like a really big adjustment for everybody it was yeah and I mean yeah like I don't I mean I would say now we really don't talk about it much as a family like I I would say we we really did discuss it and we talked about it and our feelings like even just with our family and I think we did a really good job of you know healing from that wound it's not something that really makes me angry anymore um that's good it it just is I just it does make me sad when I see um just so many people that are still in this you know it because it is a cult and it's like oh my god and again like I said if if it's what you believe and you know it makes you happy great but I know so many people that aren't happy and it's like it's just it's hard to see and I hate what it does to families is really my biggest thing because there are I remember uh I can't remember if it was my mom or my dad um that was talking about leaving and he was talking he or she I can't remember they were talking to a cop and about leaving and the cop asked if they had you know gone to therapy or like talked to someone about it and I'm pretty sure it was my dad because he kind of laughed it off and the cop was like no I'm not kidding because Mm -hmm. he's seen so many suicides over you know basically this and not necessarily just to do with Jehovah's Witnesses but basically any religion that cuts you off from your family there is so many people out there that take their lives because they feel completely cut off and so lost and I just want you to know that you are not alone And, you know, if you want to tell us your story or, you know, comment in, like, please do. I'm always open to having a conversation. I'm always here for people who are leaving because I think it is one of the bravest and strongest things you will ever do for yourself. And it will also be one of the hardest. Yeah. I couldn't imagine just like hearing your stories and everything. And again, like when you're growing up in something that is just the way that you know the world and that's the way you know so all of a sudden being told like this is all a lie I couldn't imagine how you feel like the betrayal you must feel mm-hmm. like you must yeah, be like- I, was, I was really angry yeah Ugh, I could imagine mm-hmm. especially being a teenager too like you're in this already this like transition period in your life where you know your hormones are crazy and like things are already confusing and then all of a sudden have this like massive life shift yeah I'd be fucking angry too yeah and like just you know because you know because it's just the way of that religion like there's so much gossip and talk and you just you know everybody's talking about you and your family and saying terrible things and it's just like yeah it's it's so it's so so negative and like it it was just really hard to swallow and like you know I think I had done most of my healing by this point but when my dad passed away I think that was like such a 
actually, it was an eye-opening moment for me. Um, and also, like, I had realized how much I had grown from it because keep in mind, like, my parents left and they, you know, all their friends dropped them. They weren't talked to. They were labeled an apostate. You know, shitty things were said about them. And then my dad passes away and it's all these people from this religion now texting me and Jake and messaging us. And, you know, it was just like, why, like, why are you here? Like, I just remember feeling it was a weird feeling. Like, I, I don't really think I, like I answered some very few people that I had kind of somewhat kept in contact with, but Mm -hmm. for the most part, I didn't answer at all because it was like, you weren't there then. Yeah. So you're not going to be here now. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously my dad was a part of their life and they're going to process that grief however you have, but you're not coming back into my life at my worst point. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, like it's, it's not happening. And so that was kind of, it was, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, it was my most vulnerable state and Mm -hmm. I still was like, No, like I really did keep those boundaries up and I am very proud of myself in that state to have been able to really stick to my guns there and be like, absolutely not. Because, you know, they want to talk all these things about my dad and I'm like, that's great, but that's not who he was anymore. And so, you know, they they knew the past person. They didn't know like the new version. Yeah. So yeah, they had a totally different idea in their head. So it must have been hard for you too to just even like listen to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which and I, I just didn't. I was just, yeah. you know, like I just I really left it because there is there's no point. Yeah. You know, like it just. Yeah, there's no point keeping people in your life that aren't going to be there. For you through the thick and thin. And again, it's their belief that's what they're told to do. I'm not holding a grudge against anybody for that, but Mm -hmm. I'm also not going to accept you back into my life either. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is fair. Like keeping those strong boundaries and knowing that like, this isn't a line that I'm willing to cross. And not only for like, just to bring up old emotions or anything, but just like to keep your future self safe from that as well. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because I know also like then they're going to really start like when when grief happens, like that's also the time, you know, they're going to start talking about their beliefs and like what happens after death and like try and be comforting. And it's like, no, I don't believe that dad didn't believe that. I don't want to hear it. Truthfully, like I've heard it all. I was there. (laughs) I was in those meetings for two hours every single fucking week. And it's like if you wanted to hear those things, you would have stayed in the religion exactly yeah Yeah. so i mean again there's some really great people in there and then there's some not great people in there i mean that's really just how it is and i know like a lot of family members now have left which i'm super you know glad that they've made that decision for themselves and are doing really well but like i said it's a fucking journey man and i know like a lot of them still have a really hard time with a lot of it and they're really angry and they have a right to be yeah 
I mean, you know, even as a woman, like looking back, I know people were asking like how, you Mm -hmm. know, I was repressed as like. This is something that I actually really wanted to to ask you about. Yeah. Like I, I was, you're always, it's very almost 1950s, but not like women can work, but it was very like my mom has always, I mean, you've seen my mom's house. She, she has it like a staged show home at all times stunning stunning. yeah (laughs) (laughs) always been like that like always immaculately clean but that was really the way like I remember going to all of their houses and you know the women like always made sure everything was perfectly clean and you know they always cooked everything to a tea and then it was you know the husband's the man of the house and all of that bullshit and it just you are and it's not even necessarily just women but again you're not taught to think for yourself and you're not allowed to say what you think because what you think might you know not fall in line with this religion so you are you are literally told what to think at all times and born into that and that's something I even still struggle with today like I will say I struggle sometimes to always know what questions to ask when I'm not understanding because that has been so ingrained into me like just like what what I'm telling you is like is what what you have to believe so like for me I always have to really like digest what someone says and be like does that sit right with me does that whatever and not just take it at face value but that is what I was taught is you know, what these elders are saying, which an elder is like a a male who is like kind of high up in the religion. He gives the speeches, whatever. Women do not give the speeches, by the way. Only men do. I think that's like in a lot of religions, that's how it is. Mm-hmm. Women, we gave these like little skits. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, like we would do basically how you would preach to someone who's not a witness. So, you know, like if I was going door to door, I had someone that I, you know, always revisited that I was kind of bringing into this religion, um, how I would go about certain topics and how I would explain this and how I'd explain that. Like we would do these little skits on like how to basically, you know, preach. Right. The people. (laughs) But no, talking about, you know, God, you know, it was always the men who made the decisions, if you were getting excommunicated, whatever, you know, you, it always was, you know, the elders, the men doing that. Women did not have a voice that way at all. Um, Another big thing that I want to touch on, which I think is another big thing in a lot of religions is sex. Yeah, let's Uh, hear it. So (laughs) as a lot of religions are I know no sex before marriage but you know this religion took it a step five steps ten steps further I mean they went into like you're not allowed to masturbate you shouldn't be giving like blow jobs um or going down on your partner so no booty sex having dull missionary sex your entire fucking life now Does everybody necessarily follow that? Absolutely not. I know so many people who lost their virginity before, you know, 
marriage. Um, you're supposed to tell people or like the elders. Um, some people do, and that's embarrassing enough. They don't say like, so basically if you're caught or not caught, but if you have sex and you feel the need to confess your sins, um, <laughs> you go to the elders yeah, and Which tell is, them. Again, an older man. An older fucking man. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes two or three. Just, just you know, sometimes it's a fucking board. Okay. Oh, no. Um, I didn't have this happen to me personally, but yeah. my mom did. <laughs> <laughs> um, and basically, they, you know, determine if you're going to be shunned or if you're going to be forgiven. And they don't, you know tell the whole congregation what you've been forgiven for but they do go on the podium and say that this person has been like you know i can't remember what word they use but basically like sinning yeah they've they've been forgiven for their sins like could you imagine how mortifying that would be and then every like it's almost worse i would honestly almost rather you be like she's forgiven for having sex because now you're just allowing the entire congregation's mind to go running wild they don't know what you did (laughs) yeah no kidding so dang um, that is a big a big thing i feel like you know they really shame you for sexuality like i didn't even realize but i mean like as a kid when you um oh what's that quote that i like from house i i don't even watch house but i just remember seeing this skit and he was like this little kid couldn't stop she couldn't stop like humping her teddy bear or something and her mom was like super concerned and he was like it's fine she found nemo so we're gonna say when you find nemo as a kid um like my parents i still like it was like a scarring moment for me when i found nemo because you don't know that you're not supposed to hump your teddy bear or, you know, like it just, yeah, you know, you're like four. Um, But it was like, oh my God, like, no, no, no. Like you can't do that. And it was like made to be like such a shameful thing. And then like, I just remembered that in my head, but I didn't know what I was doing obviously. But once I got older, I was probably like 10 or 11 and realized what it was. And I'm at these like, meetings where they're talking about how like masturbation is so sinful and blah 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 it like makes you feel so shamed and like dirty for doing something that should be so natural yeah like I think especially as women like there's already so much sexually that we're shamed for to then like you know they're putting so many labels on things like you know don't suck your man's dick don't do this don't do that it just it really it really represses you as a person. And like, I didn't like, honestly, thinking back on it, like I didn't masturbate for a long time, even after leaving the religion. Cause it's just so ingrained on you that like, that's not. Yeah. Well, I mean, just because you left the religion doesn't mean that like all those feelings and thoughts and things that you were taught just disappear overnight either, like you said, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that would be a really crazy thing to try to release yourself of feeling so shamed on something that really is so natural, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And just Especially as a teenage girl. Exactly, yeah. And just like being shamed and always feeling like 
you have to be submissive to everybody and like please everybody and you know you can't say this because this will be offensive or do this or do that and like that already like I think as a woman it's already for us to find it's hard for us to find our voice a lot Mm -hmm. of the time it takes a lot of courage to speak up a lot of the time a lot of the time we are talked over talked down upon whatever it might be obviously the world's gotten a lot better but it's not perfect and to have that basically ingrained in to you at such a young age that like what I tell you is fact um this is what you believe this is wrong this is wrong this is wrong and you can't say this or you can't do that like it just it really it's it's a hard narrative to get yourself out of and I had to do a lot of conscious work to get myself out of that and I still am not perfect I will say I will say though like we met when we were 17 yeah and from the time that I met you to now it is crazy to see actually how much you've like just became this bad bitch like (laughs) you (laughs) yeah like you're so much more assertive you stand up for yourself way more like I do remember you were quieter like more reserved I remember like I grew up in such a different world and my mom was all like a very progressive like lady like you know Mm -hmm. and so I was always told to like stand up for yourself be loud take up space like that's how I grew up so I remember when we were friends and I was just like almost kind of like did that for you a little bit sometimes and Mm -hmm. now I'm like damn I do not need to step in at all ever (laughs) I remember you doing that for me though and I appreciate it (laughs) (laughs) yeah but you've totally come into your own now and it's like really cool to see Mm -hmm. you know because at that point too like being 17 you were only out of the religion for a couple years Mm -hmm. so you know it's definitely it's really cool to see that like you've blossomed into this like I said bad bitch (laughs) thank you that means a lot I try (laughs) and your mom too like my mom is one badass bitch like I truly don't know if I could have done what she did in her position like she truly did the work she did the research she didn't leave bed for like a few weeks because like her you know like she felt like she was turning her entire world upside down but she got us all out of a cult yeah like wow that actually just gave me little chills yeah she got us out of a cult and she saved us from living what i look at now as a miserable fucking existence could you imagine too like let's just say that didn't happen like where you would be in life it would be such a different scenario Oh, man, I could tell you what my life would look like because it was almost planned out. I would have probably gotten married to this like boy I had a crush on at probably 18 or 19. We probably would have had babies. We thought like I like literally that would have been my life. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how do you find that like in your day to day life now? Like, how do you find that growing up in that religion is impacting you now? I would say... I am much more skeptical, which I think is a good thing. Um, and I I don't – I think the biggest thing was I didn't want a plan. I didn't want a life plan. I just wanted to 
live my life and just see where the fuck it took me. And I, you know, I don't want that little housewife role. I never really have. And it's not, I'm not saying I don't want, you know, to one day like settle down and, you know, have kids, but I want to travel. I want to make my money. I want to experience life. I don't want to just sit at home and go to church and, you know, like have all these babies and like you, I could only imagine being married at 19. Like I, like you said, like you change so much. I am not the same person I was. And I think getting married that young, if you have done it and you are still married, like I, like that's great if you, you know, were able to grow together, but I don't think that is the case for a lot of people. And Mm. I think, I think the biggest thing for me was relationships, knowing that, no, I don't, I don't want to just marry the first person you know, I sleep with or hang out with or date. Like I want, I want to know what I want and I want to be sure when I get married, like I want to be sure that this is the person that I want to fail with. I want to grow with and that like I want to be with for ideally the rest of my life. When you're in the religion, do they almost choose your partner for you? Not really. Typically is someone outside is in the religion with you. Yeah. Like I would say, um, they don't like, no, it's not your, your partner is not picked for you, but I mean, you're a horny teenager (laughs) and the only way, unless you cheat is to get married, to be able to have sex. So that's a big, um, you know, yeah. Winner for people. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think, I, I, I just, I, yeah, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine doing it. Yeah. They like, yeah. And they don't, they don't pick for you. I almost forgot the question there for a sec. (laughs) They don't, they don't (laughs) pick for you, but it is a lot of the time, like someone you meet or they do have these, um, can't remember assemblies they're called where like all these, um, congregations from like different towns and like different places gather together for like one big, it's like a three day, like a speed dating thing for witnesses? No, it's not even a speed date. It's like a it's like a preaching three day like oh I see in, yeah um where it's like all these talks from different people from like all right. these different congregations and they do these skits and it's fucking long. It's like eight hour days. It sucks. Um, but that a lot of people like you meet a lot of people that way, and I know a lot of people met like they're. Right. Yeah, met boys. I mean, again, like I'm not in the religion anymore, but I do remember like that was like a perk of going is because there's like yeah, the boys hot there, new, hot new boys. Yeah, yeah, or just new boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not fair. the same face you see every Thursday. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, no. So that was yeah. That's pretty much pretty much it. You get to pick, but. Yeah, your pickings are also slim because you have to pick within the religion. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I know too, like, actually, your brother had mentioned this to me once before um, that when he said we were having a conversation kind of about all of this stuff once, and he said that, um, like, when you left, 
you know, it was hard to learn how to deal with your, even like your own feelings because you're always told like, just, just someone else will deal with it or like, just pray it away and it'll mm-hmm. go away. So like, how was that for you? Like trying to navigate around that? Cause that's a huge one too. Like now you're trying to figure out what's right, what's wrong, what's true, what's not. And now you have to literally learn how to deal with your own feelings inside. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, as a teenager, I don't know if I fully dealt with it right away. Like I was really angry. Um, but I also refused to pray <laughs> after we left. I okay. almost went a little atheist for a while there. Yeah. Uh, so. Which I do not blame you for. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't, I didn't pray. I just, honestly, I've been, I've been keeping a diary since a long time, man. Mm-hmm. Like I really, I would just write things out. Like that's really what I did. Like through the whole process of leaving and after, like if I had an issue, if I had a thought, if I was sad, I would just write about it. Do you have those books still? Um, I that I would be- think I might have one. That'd but be crazy I to look back. Oh God, I'm honestly, you know what? It's funny because I'm pretty sure I do have one. I'm not a hundred percent sure. But I think I've seen it somewhere. And I thought about cracking that thing. But I was like, I don't know if I want to go there. Also, too, it's your teenage self writing it. So who knows, right? Oh, like, I wouldn't uh, even want to crack one of those. And I- oh, my God. <laughs> it would just be all of my boy problems, realistically. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I I don't want to relive that. <laughs> wow. I wouldn't either. <laughs> Reading my own. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I would say that was the biggest thing is – yeah, I would write it. I would write it down. Yeah. And walks. I was a big walker. I would always just like put on some headphones and go for a walk. Like if I felt really like upset or anxious or like I just needed to get out of the house, like I'd always just like put on the headphones and go for a walk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Did you ever go to therapy for it? Funny enough, like I have seen a therapist but I haven't specifically gone to therapy for for that, which I mean, not necessarily saying that it wouldn't be something I would dive into for sure. Um, I want to start going like more regularly yeah. to therapy um, just for myself, like not that I like, you know, feel everyone needs therapy exactly like we've talked about this like i am a big advocate for therapy so it's just something that i want to do for myself um Mm -hmm. just more regularly than i do now but i know i haven't specifically gone to therapy for that but again it's not something that i have really an issue talking about or diving into yeah it Um, would just be interesting to speak to somebody and like maybe understand yourself better like your nowadays self and Mm -hmm. how that like your past affected you but again like you really have to be ready to really dig deep and dive into that yeah Um, like I've got past traumas too and it took me years to actually even want to tap into it because that's like a whole Pandora's box of old emotions and old shit that you're gonna 
be oh yeah so well and like i said like i do have a bit of trauma brain from it because like there's a lot that like you could ask and i honestly don't even know if i'd be able to tell you like i blocked a lot of that shit out like you might need to hypnotize me to get some of that out of me (laughs) right (laughs) but i mean yeah i again i think it's i i do think therapy's big and I, I do want to dive into that more. That's actually one of my New Year's goals is to just like actually go see a therapist like regularly, like just carve out the time for it. Cause I do it when I can, but obviously, yeah, I, I want to do it like more frequently. Um, but I, I will be interested to see like how much I can unearth from my trauma brain. <laughs> when I go Uh, like yes um is there anything else that you wanted to cover with this uh let me see I did make some notes I mean I think we covered the majority of it and I mean if if you guys that are listening do have any um any questions for us or have things that I didn't answer that you might want. We can always do a part two on this too. Um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of play it by ear, um, on how, on how you guys, if you want to hear more, um, yeah. And like we said, we're going to be having a guest on, um, not that next episode, but the next episode, Mm -hmm. she grew up, I believe in a different religion. So if you have questions for us or her, um, I actually don't know what religion she is coming from, so it'll be really interesting too. So if you guys have any questions at all, we, we're going to put up some question boxes this week mm-hmm. um, and also feel free to DM us at any point. Any point. Like I would love to hear um, your guys' stories too. Like I said, it's always nice to kind of have a little community, especially if you are someone who's left. Like, no, again, you are not alone um we're always here for you i will always answer those messages so do not do not be afraid to reach out yeah definitely well thank you so much for sharing hala because i know that's like a lot of personal things that you shared today and i really appreciate it and i love hearing your stories and i hope that everybody else can appreciate it too and yeah thank you thank you all right guys thank you for listening to another episode of feminine state of mind you can find us on instagram at feminine state of mind i'm astronaut fit and hala is hala j and we will see you guys next thursday see ya bye